This is the Action Network Podcast. And it is good! Alright, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch! They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown! You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my god, that's incredible! Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. Alright? That is the ultimate kibosh. You want a bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon. And this is your week seven NFL betting preview with odds courtesy of BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network Podcast. Joined as always by my Action Network colleague, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, my dude Stucky. Stuck, what's going on? I know you're not feeling too good, so uh, hoping you feel better. Yeah, under the weather, no off weeks uh, in this biz. Um, luckily, a bunch of buys in the NFL, and there's a couple games where I didn't have to spend a ton of time on. Houston, Arizona, which we'll get to. Detroit, LA. There's not much to break down in those games other than the number um, and some situational spots. But last week, winning week, I was plus 0.00 units on Sunday, mm-hmm. which is quite an accomplishment. I lost lost no pennies, gained no pennies. <laughs> but I hit the Eagles, got lucky with the Eagles on Thursday night, hit the Titans on Monday night. And I paid for the Eagles with that uh, Patriots loss in overtime. And uh, I thought that the Browns under was not a just result. But we're on to the next. Let's get into some winners here. Uh, Before we kick things off, three quick reminders. First, if you plan to bet on any sport ever and you still haven't downloaded the free award-winning Action Network app, what are you doing? It's got betting tools. It lets you shop for the best lines. It's got analysis from myself, Stuck, the whole Action Network crew. And most importantly, it lets you track every bet that you make. Second, if you need to reference our Sunday six-pack picks anytime, all you have to do is download the Action app, follow Sunday six-pack in the follow feature, uh, and we use that account to track those picks uh, every Friday. And if you or somebody that you know gambles on the European kind of football, aka soccer, the Action Network just launched Wonder Goal, an all-new podcast covering all things betting across Champions League, the EPL, and all the top European leagues. So if you know folks who like betting those mid-morning English Premier League matches, tell them to check out Wonder Goal on Apple Podcast or wherever they like to listen. All right, let's get into it. Stuck, let's get it cracking with Thursday Night Football. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday Night Football. All right, so we got Denver, we got Cleveland, we got a two-point spread in favor of Cleveland, we got a low total of 41.5 at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the pod. We have no Baker Mayfield for Cleveland at quarterback. We have no Nick Chubb for Cleveland. We have no Kareem Hunt for Cleveland. Odell Beckham Jr. managed to run a route on fewer than 60% of the dropbacks in week six. He is questionable. We have 18 mile per hour wins. This seems to just exemplify one of these ugly Thursday night matchups, Stucky. What do you think? 
I think you have to look at it under here. I mean, also the Browns could be without Conklin, Wills, and Treader, although I think Treader will play, but their offensive line is banged up also. I mean, Keenum going, I don't think is a big deal compared to what Baker was doing. Baker wasn't healthy. He wasn't playing well. Look, Stefanski took Keenum to the NFC Championship game before, and if you look at some of the stats since Baker's been hurt, he's been among the bottom five worst quarterbacks in the NFL. So I don't think it's a huge drop-off to Keenum here, but the problem is, like, you don't have your two backs, your offensive line is banged up, your weapons are uh, decimated on the outside. So I don't think that they could take advantage of a, number one, a Broncos linebacking core that's been hit hard by injuries. Alexander Johnson. Yeah, that's a big loss. loss. He went on IR. And I don't know what's wrong with Denver's pass defense. I mean, obviously their schedule got harder, but they're giving up a ton of explosive plays. They're 28th against the explosive pass. And that's like the the number one goal of a fan of a Fangio defense is to stop the explosive pass. But Fuller's really struggling, as is certain. If you just if you remove the Jags and Jets games where he's basically playing a college quarterback at the time, Sertain has been really bad. Even Justin Simmons, who I love on the back end, is struggling in coverage. I just don't think that the Browns could take advantage of that here, especially in wind and bad offensive line. You know, new quarterback running with the ones on a short week. Yeah, I don't I can't see the Browns scoring a lot. I do think that the Browns defense can contain Denver's offense here. We talked about Denver just doesn't have the downfield passing attack without Hamler and Judy. So so I think what's gonna happen is Denver's gonna say, look, we have to take away the explosive play. This is gonna be the focus of their practice this week. Take away the explosive play. We're not worried too much about the running game. So can Cleveland drive up and down the field? I don't think so. Can a hobbled Teddy, who's questionable, I think he's gonna play. An offensive line that hasn't been great. Can they maintain consistent drives against the Browns? I don't think so either. These are also two of the slowest teams. The NFL in neutral game state situations, like the 29th and 30th. So I think it's an underplay. There's not much room for error at 41. What I personally did with this game is I just teased the Broncos up. Now that they got the two and a half, all these injuries for Cleveland, I think this should be a one possession low scoring game. Obviously the teaser is more valuable with a total of 41. The wins are a factor as well. So I think this is like, you know, it maybe ends up being like a 20 to 17 game. Uh, so I tease the Broncos, but it's just a game I don't want to get too heavily involved in with all the uncertainty of the injuries. The short week just uh, could be really messy, could be just come down to fluke turnovers. So, yeah, just uh, your typical Thursday night mess. Yeah, I jumped on the Broncos at a juiced up three and a half uh, when I, I figured – you know, once Chubb was ruled out, I figured Mayfield wasn't looking good either. So um, I make it one and a half, but this is a really tough game to cap because this is one of those cluster injury situations for Cleveland where you're talking about the quarterback, both of your running backs who are key, obviously, to what you do, both of your tackles who are key to what you do, your top receiver. It doesn't look like Landry's coming back. He is, you know, he, they designated him to return, but uh, haven't got any word that he will actually be active for this game. So you're really missing your top two receivers. Donovan Peoples-Jones is not going to have the game of his life every week. Uh, so it's like every part of your offense has a, a, an injury. So this is like a, a major cluster situation. Um, so it's hard to adjust. I mean, I'm tempted to just make it like a coin flip game straight up because uh, I don't know if the, I don't know if Cleveland's going to have much of a home field advantage here. You know, the fans aren't really happy. Usually on Thursday night, you have a home field edge but it's going to be windy so they have no running game but they're not going to be able to pass either because they have their backup quarterback and no receivers and no tackles so I mean this is yeah it's a mess something's to worth noting I think uh Teddy Bridgewater this is the kind of game where he you know he's 
at least in, you know, active on the field. He should be able to manage the game correctly. That speaks to why he's 23 and four against the spread on the road in his career, 85%. This is actually one of the, and I haven't been a fan of Fangio's coaching most of this year, but uh, this is one of those spots where he tends to do well, 12 and five against the spread, 71% as an underdog coming off a loss. So uh, I like the Broncos. I lean Broncos here. I think they actually win this game. And, and the under, I mean, what do you think about this under? Uh, what about the first half? We're splitting it first half and, and full game. Because uh, one thing about the Broncos, they tend to hold teams in check in the first half, and they're pretty conservative too. So under Fangio, the first half under, uh, when they go on the road, is, is uh, 15 and 4, 79%. Um, any thoughts on that? I don't, yeah, I don't mind splitting it here. And I think that the, the Broncos are going to end up eventually clean up their issues with defending the explosive pass, which has bit them a lot in the second half. So yeah, I, I think it's under nothing here. And if you're going to do it, I, I don't hate that strategy of splitting it up first half in game. Yeah. And this is a Von Miller like eruption spot, like, you know, backup tackles most likely. And he, he put it on himself. He said, I'm going to kill whoever I'm blocking. So it's either going to go really good or really bad for Von Miller, but uh, he's a good player. So you expect him to step up. I think the reason they're giving up explosive plays is because they're playing that, that, you know, two deep shell most of the time but they've been uncharacteristically kind of forced into blitzing more than they wanted to because they're not getting home. Uh, Miller's not getting home as much. So uh, I think that's their issues with explosive plays. But like you said, I don't think it's going to matter uh, in this game with, uh, you know, Dearness De- Johnson in the backfield. They can kind of stack up on him if they want. And these receivers, I mean, maybe you worry about people's Jones down the field, but he's only got what 15 targets all year. So I think the last time, by the way, I think the last time Von Miller guaranteed something was in 2013 in the uh he guaranteed a super bowl win i think they lost 40 to 6 so maybe that's not a good thing all right so that's gonna wrap it up for our thursday night preview should be an ugly one let's give the people what they want though let's open the week seven sunday six pack presented by our friends at athletic brewing company thirsty for action let's crack open the sunday six pack All right, Stuck, I have a clinging to a one-point lead here, and uh, you're up first for week number seven. Where are you going? All right, for my first pick of the Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles plus three at Las Vegas Raiders at BetMGM. Look, I think that the first thing on the surface here, I, I tweeted this out last week, I think this Raiders team – Maybe they seem really simple on the surface in that they just they're one of those teams that plays up and down of their competition and just look at their results so far this year. They're I mean, at home, they could have lost to the Dolphins. They go to overtime. They lose to the Bears, you know, and then they beat the Ravens. They go to Pittsburgh and win that game. They go to Denver. So this is a team that just seems to play up and down to their competition. But I, I do think this is a great matchup for the Eagles on both sides of the ball. And it's worth noting that Philly does have uh, a little extra prep and, and rest here after playing on Thursday. That's important because they got, number one, they got Lane Johnson back at tackle. That's huge in this matchup in particular. Lane Johnson will slide in a right tackle. Viata goes to left tackle, his natural position. Now all of a sudden you have a you know, dominant pair of tackles to deal with the strength of that Raiders defense, which is their edge rushers. I think that they can also, Philly can also put those aggressive edge rushers in conflict with some more, RPOs. This is an Eagles team that's a number one in explosive run rate. The Raiders that are you know, they're playing aggressive off the edge, they're 27th on defense in that aspect. So on the other side of the ball, what are the Raiders doing on offense? Well, they, you know, they 
they try to run it, I think, a little bit too much. They're not having any success running it. Their offensive line has not been great. You know, they're 28th in line yards, 18th in adjusted sack rate. How do you beat Derek Carr? You have to get pressure on him and you, without blitzing. It's, it's sort of like Mahomes if you look at a lot of his, his metrics. Well, the Eagles don't blitz, and they can get pressure with their front, especially up the middle. I mean, this pocket could be collapsed. That interior of the Raiders offense is really weak going up against one of the best interior defensive lines in the NFL. So I think this is a really good matchup for the Eagles, who are just, I think, going to get pressure. And then what they're doing on the back end, they're not blitzing. They're just preventing the explosive play, right? So they're just saying, okay, I'm going to make you drive it down the field. Well, what have the Raiders really been relying on this year? The explosive pass. I mean, they're number one in explosive pass rate. I don't think those shots are going to be there. On the other side of the ball, I think that Hurts can take advantage of this beat-up Raiders secondary with some shots. So I make this, you know, closer to two. So if you give me three, I took a three and a half minus 115 out of that. If you can find that, great. But I'd still like it at three. I make it two. And then because of some of the matchup advantages, I, I really think that Philly has a good shot of winning this game. Some of their defensive metrics are are ugly, but look, they faced the they got torched by the Bucks, Chiefs, and Cowboys. Three of the best offenses in the NFL. Held their own in the other three games. I think it's a unit that's going to continue to get better throughout the year. And I think just in the trenches on both sides with Lane Johnson back and that interior and their ability to generate pressure without blitzing, uh, I think is going to be the difference here. So give me the Eagles plus three. Yeah, this is a spot where I think the key for me is the fact of what you kind of mentioned about Derek Carr and, and pressuring him without blitzing, because I've noticed that too. He's had a lot of success against these man coverage defenses that like to send pressure. Remember the Ravens, he got some deep balls over their head. Uh, Denver, another team that you know tends to stay in man coverage, uh, even though they do try to protect down the field. Um, they, they were, they're blitzing a little more. They play a lot of man uh, and he lit them up that like Brian Edwards has, over 250 yards uh, against man coverage and 38 yards versus zone this year. Like rugs too is a lot more yardage against those man coverage looks. So if they're not getting those big plays, this is just a evenly matched game. And like you said, the Eagles may even have the edge here because at the end of the day, they have a quarterback in Jalen Hurts who can make off schedule plays. Whereas Philly's not really giving you a chance to make off schedule plays. Not that Derek Carr's really good at it anyway, but uh, they're just kind of dropping back and playing zone and playing that quarters for deep coverage. So, uh, yeah, I think Philly does have a, a pretty good shot at winning this one. It's a toss-up game. I, I think I make it two as well. All right. Uh, for my first pick, and, and I'll say I'll say this week, it's uh, kind of an ugly slate. So some of these, uh, I'm take, I'm kind of taking a stand here, planting a flag. Uh, I think it'll be the ugliest card, ugliest card of the yeah, year by far. Yeah, it's bad. But, uh, you know, I, I did I did some really extra, some extra deep dives. I watched all the film to, to really make sure – that I was planting my flag in, in places I felt feel good about. So some of these picks may not be my usual. I think I'm going three favorites this week, just to, just to let everyone know, this is not a usual week, but with my first pick and the second overall pick of the week seven Sunday six pack, I am going with the Carolina Panthers minus three on the road against the New York giants. I am laying points with Sam Darnold may not happen again all year, but I just absolutely love the matchup uh, for Carolina in this spot against the Giants. First of all, Carolina's defense, if you look at their pass defense, they are number two in DVOA on passes to the left, the offensive left, number two on passes to the middle, and 29th on passes to the right. Well, 
Daniel Jones, that's where he struggles the most is throwing to the right. So is he really going to be able to exploit that? I don't think so. His completion percentage drops from 69% to 61% uh, when he's throwing to the right. His yards per attempt goes from 8.3 to 6.8. None of his touchdowns have come when throwing right. Uh, and, uh, you know, his interception rate, he's only got an interception throwing there. So this is not a thing that Jones can exploit. But Carolina is now starting to play this guy at left corner, which, would, you know, would be on the offensive right, named Keith Taylor. He's a fifth-round pick out of Washington. He's graded fourth out of 118 qualifiers in pro football focuses grades. Uh, so he's playing really well. Dante Jackson and A.J. Bouye, who, you know, he's playing in the slot now, they're both top 35 as well. So they have three cornerbacks in the top 35 uh, out of 118 qualifiers in PFF's grades. I don't think they'll get Stephon Gilmore this week. That would only help the cause, but don't think he'll be back yet. But this is again, uh, now again kind of a scary Carolina uh, defense that I don't think Daniel Jones can exploit without Gallaudet and Tony, it looks like. Now, Carolina's fourth in pressure rate. Daniel Jones from a clean pocket, he's fine. 7.8 yards per attempt, 66 completion. Uh, he gets a first down 38% of the time. When he gets pressured, his completion percentage drops from 66 to 54. His yards per attempt from 7.8 to 6.1. He's getting sacked 17% of the time. Uh, and his first down rate drops from 38% to 21%. So just a nightmare under pressure for Jones. And it's going to be even worse because Andrew Thomas, who improved a lot, uh, their, their second-year tackle, he gave up a pressure only seven times in 184 uh, pass blocking opportunities. That's 3.8%. Matt Pert, his replacement in his career, he's played less snaps and given up more than twice as many pressures. So his pressure rate, 15 into 179, that's 8.4%. This is just a bad spot for Daniel Jones in terms of the pressure, especially without a, a, a fully healthy receiving core. Then Saquon Barkley looks like he's still going to miss. He's averaging only 3.6 yards per carry, 44% rushing success rate. Well, Devontae Booker in his place, 3.0 yards per carry, and the rushing success rate, 29%. So you're talking about more than a half-yard drop-off uh, and, and a 15% success rate drop-off for what was already an inefficient run game with Saquon Barkley. Carolina on the other side, they're about done. They about had it with Sam Darnold. Matt Rule is like, hey, I want to run the ball. We're gonna, I don't care if we don't have McCaffrey. Well, this is the perfect defense to do that against the Giants of 27th in run defense DVOA. But I actually think with a more balanced offense, it will, Sam Darnold will actually have some success here. The last five pass defenses Darnold faced, all top 12 in pass defense DVOA. New Orleans was ninth, uh, Houston 11th, Dallas 10th, Philly 12th, Minnesota 3rd. The Giants 22nd. So they're not going to put up much resistance. They're 31st in pressure rate. Darnold from a clean pocket, six touchdowns, three picks, 91 rating. Uh, when he's under pressure, that's where it drops to one touchdown, four picks, 56 rating. So the Giants being second to last in pressure rate, uh, that's big, especially with Carolina being top five uh, on defense. And then this is just simply a spot where Daniel Jones, it, for some reason, it just doesn't go right in the stadium. They were already booing last week. Um, you know, I expect more of the same Daniel Jones, four and 12, uh, in his career against the spread at home, just 25%. And his the record is reversed, uh, on the road. I think he picked up one or two losses lately, but it's essentially the opposite on the road. So, uh, going with Carolina here, I, I don't love laying points with Sam Darnold, but love the matchups, uh, for Carolina. I just think they're getting the giants at the right time. Yeah. I can't lay points on the road with, uh, Mr. <laughs> Darnold, who was just dreadful last week and, has come back crashing back down to earth after three favorable matchups to start the year. 
put up some put up some yards in garbage time. Had a good fourth down throw, but wow, he was bad last week. But uh, I t- actually teased the Giants just to I teased them with uh, the Broncos. Actually, I mean they're two and a half point underdog. Total of what forty three was a no brainer there. It's not really like I love the matchup. Andrew Thomas is a big loss. You go back to the opening day roster for the Giants. They're down to potentially four of their original starters. I mean, you have Daniel Jones, Shepard, your right tackle, your right guard, and that's it. Your center, left guard, left tackle, receivers. I mean, it's bad. Running back. Um, they've just been devastated by injuries. But I actually have more on this uh, in my favorite total. For my second pick and the third overall of the Sunday six-pack for week seven, I am going with the Washington football team plus nine and a half at BetMGM. This Washington team, I came into the year down on. I said the defense is overrated. All they did was benefit from awful quarterbacks and awful offensive lines that were beat up last year. And that's come to fruition. Haven't touched them. have faded them a couple times and in teasers and in other ways. Now the market has oversold them. So it's time for me to jump in. I make this line like right around seven. If you're going to give me nine and a half, with the Packers having the Cardinals on Thursday night next week, three days rest. I think that they'll be cautious with their injuries because of that. They're generally a conservative team when it comes to injuries anyway. And what, there's just regression coming for both of these teams on third downs. You know, Washington, what's going on in the secondary is a mess. There's just so many missed assignments. And they're getting some pressure. They're going to get home one of these days. And the Green Bay offensive line has not been great. The Green Bay offensive line has been league average against, you know, run blocking, adjusted sack rate, and they just have a lot of new pieces, a lot of rotating pieces. Um, so I think that this could be the game that Washington finally gets home and you see a number of sacks. I mean, they're just overdue. And they're giving up like 66% third down conversion rate. That's not going to last. So you would hope that they're, they figure out some things in the secondary. They have a lot of injuries on the offensive side of the ball. I'm counting on a few of those guys playing. The right side of the offensive line actually held up last week, so not as concerned there. You hope that some of their weapons play. But if you look at what the Packers have done, I mean, they haven't really blown out anybody this year. They had no business covering that game against the Bears last week. Yardage pretty even. I mean, you have the reps just in Aaron Rodgers' pocket the entire game. You know, they don't call an offsides, a free play that Aaron Rodgers gets every single week, gets picked when the Bears are up 7 nothing driving. You have Aaron Rodgers grabbing a face mask, and then the Bears get called for a personal foul. You saw the Packers just get every single call in that game. In a game, that was a three-point game with a few minutes to go. So, you know, I think that the Packers might come out a little flat. They're a really slow team. I'm sure they win this game, but I could see Washington keeping this within a touchdown. If they're down 10, 14 late, they can easily get in the back door um, against the Green Bay defense that is still without Jair Alexander, is hurt on the pass rushing. They still can't defend the run. It's a defense that I think is in for a wide awakening over the next couple of weeks. So I think this just line is just inflated. The Packers have won a bunch of games in a row since week one. I haven't been that impressed with them over that time. I mean, you know, a couple fumbles by Goff in the second half blows that game open. The Lions led at the half. You've seen, you've seen how bad the Lions have been. They beat the, the 49ers by a couple. They beat the Steelers at home by 10 in a game that, if Ben Roethlisberger hits a couple wide open touchdowns where they don't call an offsides, I mean, you talk about a team that gets every call on a blocked field goal for a touchdown at the end of the half. 
The Packers are allowed to go off sides, but the other team can't even when they don't. So I haven't really been impressed with their results so far this year. And uh, I just think it's too many points. That's all this is. It's nothing more than that. Washington has been so bad. No one wants a part of them here. I expect this to close near seven, by the way. So give me the Washington football team plus nine and a half, probably playing for their season here. Whereas the Packers are winning the division. So, I mean, if football team loses this game with the way Dallas is, is rolling, this thing is uh, might be lights out. So this, you'll get a max effort here from Washington, I think. Yeah, I have this projected at seven uh, exactly. Aaron Rodgers under pressure has really struggled. So this could be one of those yep. games. Washington's front is still good. You know, they're still above average in pressure rate. Um, the back end's hurt them, obviously, and, and that's not great against Devontae Adams. But Aaron Rodgers is 33rd of 36 qualified quarterbacks and rating under pressure uh, at just 35.9. The only three quarterbacks worse than Aaron Rodgers under pressure this year, Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Fields, and Geno Smith. <laughs> That's it. Those are the only quarterbacks worse than Rodgers. So this could be an ugly one for Green Bay. Um, you know, obviously never like betting against Rodgers at Lambeau. He's 57 and 27, uh, 68% when the spread is 13 or less. But this is one of those spots where I think there are a lot of things working in Washington's favor. And just from the market perspective, Green Bay five and one against the spread, Washington one and five. Uh, you usually see in the middle of the season, you know, from like week six, seven on when those against the spread records, you know, you have some outliers there or, or just good, bad against good against the spread. Uh, you see the, the bad against the spread teams tend to cover uh, at above a 60% clip. So um, I don't hate this one at all. I, again, I make it seven. So I think the number's too high. Yeah. If you look at these Packers games, like they're five and one against the spread. But, you know, I mean, they obviously got blown out. I didn't take too much from them in the opener. But they're a couple plays away from not covering almost all of these games. So it's not like they've just been blowing teams out of the water. What they've won, that Lions game is the only one they won by more than two touchdowns. One of the main reasons why I bet against them last week, it didn't work out. Obviously, some calls went their way and against Chicago. But uh, they came into last week, you know, four and one with a negative point differential. So, uh, you know, they, yeah. they, they held on. But this is not like a, an amazing Packers team. And it's very fragile too. I mean, Devontae Adams gets banged up and leaves the game at any point. It would, yeah, it would be brutal. All right. Yeah, I mean, Green, Green, yeah, last week, Green Bay, 22 first down, Chicago, 21. The yardage, 320 to 280. And they each ran 57 plays. This is a game that was, I would bet, a million times over again, uh, if given the chance. All right. Uh, for my second pick and the fourth overall pick of the week seven Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers, a minus four at BetMGM, hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, just like the spot here for San Francisco. This is a better matchup uh, on paper now than it was maybe a couple – looked like it was going to be a couple weeks ago. San Francisco is 10th in overall DVOA. Indianapolis is 15th. But I think this is a spot where San Francisco can make a statement. Uh, first of all, they're coming off the bye. Usually we don't like – Kyle Shanahan in these spots as a favorite, but yep. when he's not off the bye as a favorite, seven, 18 and one covering just 28% of the time, but off the bye, he's two and one. He's got a winning record against spread. So it's, it's, it's one of those situations where they needed time to get healthy. Uh, they had a lot, they were cycling cornerbacks in and out and they got good safeties that can kind of keep those cornerbacks in the know about, you know, the calls and stuff like that. But they really needed this buy, I think on the back end, Remember, they, their whole backfield was banged up. So now Elijah Mitchell looks like he's going to be their guy. They don't Now with the bye, they don't have to use Kyle Juszczyk as like their second tailback as much, I don't think, anymore. This is just a, a Jimmy Garoppolo's back, which I think is important because although Trey Lance is 
has more long-term upside. I think Jimmy G gives them a better chance to win right now, just with the way they're going. Um, so, uh, and especially against this coast defense, because the one thing about this coast defense is, you know, they're not getting pressure this year. They, they let some pass rushers walk in free agency and whatnot, and they're dead last in pressure rate. Jimmy Garoppolo, since the start of last year, 8.1 yards per attempt from a clean pocket. Uh, he's over eight this year and last year in yards per attempt. And then just the spot, you know, when you see a, a non-West Coast team uh, go West for prime time, the West Coast team is 52-29-6, and six, 64% against the spread since 2003. And also, this is a 4-2 and two Colts team against the spread against a 1-4 and four Niners team. And uh, when you look at these teams, these kind of teams covering less than 30% of the time as the Niners are against a team that's 500 or better against the spread uh, in week six on, 108-45-6, and six, 71% uh, against the spread when you have this kind of a matchup with a, a terrible against the spread team, these things tend to correct. I just think this is a get right spot for San Francisco who actually played Arizona quite well, but we've, they outgained them. Or, yeah. They outplayed yeah. Arizona, which is a good sign. Cause I think, I think we could both agree. We probably both underrated Arizona a little bit. Um, like, you know, I, I, we bet against them a couple of times. I know you had, you had them in week one, but um, they're, they're just amazing right now. They're making plays even when, things get off schedule and the fact that San Francisco is able to hold them to 17 stay in that game I thought was impressive so the Colts coming off a game in prime time where they could have beat the Ravens they had a big lead and then they thrashed the Texans I think the market is just overrating the Colts and looking at this more is like okay they're even we match teams and we're just gonna kind of this should be a spread of like three whereas I make it five uh and again San Francisco top 10 team in DVOA Colts middle of the pack so uh give me the Niners minus four at home coming off to buy against the Colts. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I mean, the Niners, look, by the way, the Colts, they go to Tennessee on the road. A week later, they go down to Miami. A week later, they go to Baltimore, three straight road games. Then they come home on a short week, play Houston. Now they have to go out to San Fran, fourth road game in five, five weeks, playing a team that's coming off a bye. So it sets up as a good situation for a 49ers team that, yeah, I mean, they should have beat the Cardinals. Um, they don't go one and five on fourth down. Kyle Shannon has a couple better play calls. They win that game. So, and I think that they're a little healthier. I mean, getting someone like Kiwan Williams back in the slot is huge for that defense. Um, he just locks up the slot, but he's also great against the run. He can, he can blitz and he just makes a lot of plays. So this team will look a lot healthier. All of their weapons, it looks like will be back and healthy besides Kittle. So I think that they can, Move the ball here. I, I, I agree. I think this is a buy, a good buy low spot on the 49ers. And can we just talk uh, about Paris Campbell's gone again? Like he, yeah. we got, we got what, like four games out of him this year. Yeah. It's, and Indianapolis might be in a worse spot at wide receiver than they were when Hilton came back because you lost Campbell and now Hilton's questionable. Then they're not guaranteeing that he's going to play. So you might've gone from like Hilton, Pittman, Campbell, Pascal to now back to Pittman and Pascal against. I mean, it's, yeah. they just have the worst luck. They may get Quentin Nelson back, maybe. It looks like he might be out another week, but he is eligible to come back. So that's something to monitor, but I don't think that's enough to, to override like all of what's going on here with the situation. It is worth it. The Colts' number one DBOA defense against the run. So they have been good against the run, which couldn't matter here. But I think that Shanahan will have a good enough game plan. They'll be able to attack this Colts' secondary, short passes, get a lot of yak here. I think that's where they're going to really excel. All right, for my third pick in the fifth overall of the week seven Sunday six pack, I'm going with the 
Kansas City Chiefs minus five and a half at the Tennessee Titans at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. This is a pick that's just not like me at all. You want to talk about laying points with the Chiefs on the road. This is just an awful spot for the Titans. Obviously, they're on the short week. They are coming off that huge win, just that exhausting win against Buffalo on Monday night. When you look at this Tennessee team, they paid the price for that win. They lost Taylor Lewan. It looks, I mean, Julio Jones, I doubt he'll play as a hamstring injury. You got to make sure that he's, it looks like they're going to win the division. You got to make sure he's healthy. I doubt he goes. A.J. Brown's still on the toilet. I'm sure he'll play, but he's dealing with an illness. And more importantly, your secondary is just crushed. I mean, there is nobody left on the secondary. I mean, you're going to have guys like Breon Borders and Chris Jackson, who's also banged up with an ankle, didn't even practice today. Yeah, I don't know if he will play. I mean, he he went the game like two, three times. Yeah, you have Fulton, who's been their best cover corner. He's on IR. You had your first-round draft pick, Farley, who's now out for the year. So, I mean, you have no corners left. And on – so, I mean, I just can't see this Kansas City defense eating all day long. It's a Tennessee defense that doesn't really generate a ton of pressure. It's a Kansas City offense that is turning the ball over in an insane clip. That's not going to persist. Like, there's some turnover – positive turnover progression coming from the Kansas City offense. I'd be shocked if this Chiefs offense doesn't score every possession. So, and then the other side of the ball, I liked, finally liked what I saw from the Chiefs defense last week. And that's what I was waiting for. They made some personnel changes and they'll make a few more this week. They held the Washington offense to 76 total yards in the second half last week. What did they do? And that's the seventh lowest total for any team uh, in the second half of a game this season. What did they do? Well, they said, they realized that Sorensen is bad. So they played Juan Thornhill every snap, smart. I don't know why they were not doing that before. More Willie Gay at linebacker that he's back healthy for Neiman. Smart. And that paid dividends. And then this week, Chris Jones, practice today, should be back. I think he is back. Moving him to D-tackle. Huge. That D-end experiment didn't work. Now he's back at D-tackle. Javarius Ward should have him back at corner. So now this defense gets some confidence last week. It's still not a great unit, but they just need to be like 20th which I think that they're on track to being with some of these changes. Chris Jones back, Ward back. You get Thornhill in there for Sorensen. You get Gay in there for majority of the snaps at the linebacker. And all of a sudden, you can be, you know, just, a, you know, the 22nd-ranked defense. And that's all this team needs. So I think it's a bad spot for the Titans. And, there, I mean, LaJuan, you have Kendall Lamb in there. I mean, offensive tackle, that's a big downgrade. Um, short week, I think the Chiefs turn a positive turnover regression – Against this Titans, just makeshift secondary. Give me the Chiefs minus five and a half at the Titans. What about with Derrick Henry? Because I know people are going to ask. Like, they're going to tweet like, oh, well, what about Derrick Henry? Isn't the Chiefs run defense still bad? Um, he should eat. Yeah. He, should have <laughs> he could get like 200 yards and three touchdowns. It doesn't mean the Titans. He might, he might run for him. 230. Yeah, he might run yeah. for 230. Um, I actually kind of like this over. I just wish it was 56. I was tweeting this over might never stop. It's hard to get an over 57, 57 and a half. But I – both these teams get the 28. Sure. I just think the Chiefs are, are going to get the 40 here. Um, but yeah, Derek Henry should eat. And then what the Chiefs have to do is the defense is better. It's not good. They, they're going to have to get a couple stops in the red zone. It helps that Julio is not out there. It helps that Taylor Lewan is not out there. And I think that'll be the difference that they're just Chiefs are going to score more touchdowns than the Titans. That was the key move was putting Thornhill back. He was really good for them a couple of years ago. And then I guess he wasn't healthy last year. He was not as good, but 
major upgrade over Sorensen. And it helps guys that, you know, I happen to think are decent in the back end, like with Jarius Sneed, for example, like he's a much better cornerback than I think what he put out the first five games. And last week he had his best game uh, of the year. And I think that was part just because of the, the overall secondary and what they can do uh, with Thornhill in there. So yeah, I don't disagree with this. I think, you know, this is a good get right spot for the chiefs after, I mean, they kind of had to get right spot against Washington. So maybe it's more of a letdown spot for Tennessee, I guess I should say, but the chiefs, like you said, they still have been uncharacteristically sloppy on offense and they were down to Washington for, for a good part of that game. Uh, even last week before pulling away late. So uh, I think you might see a more complete effort from the chiefs this week. All right. For my third pick and the uh, sixth and final pick of the week, seven Sunday, six pack, I am going with, the Atlanta Falcons minus two and a half at the Miami Dolphins. Uh, this is another spot that I just, I love the situation for Atlanta uh, and I hate it for Miami. And the thing about Miami here is you know, both of these teams went to London over the past two weeks. The Falcons get a buy, the Dolphins come back and have to play, but you look at the, the Dolphins and it's like, okay, they were pretty banged up in that London game. They lost to the Jaguars, but I'm treating this like, Urban Meyer is COVID and anyone that the Jaguars beat doesn't, isn't vaxxed. Then I'm just betting against these teams. So, okay. It might get Howard and, and Byron Jones back at corner. People are going to say, okay, that's big, but those guys have given up uh, 575 yards, six touchdowns, one pick uh, on 61 targets this year. So they're giving up nearly 10 yards a target, uh, not really forcing, uh, not preventing touchdowns at all. Jones is ranked 65th. Howard ranked 72nd out of 118 uh, qualified corners. And then the Falcons, they're coming off a bye. And this has historically been a good spot to back teams. You know, when you have a road favorite coming off a bye since 2003, 64, 33, and 2, 66% against the spread, according to our Action Labs data. Matt Ryan, he's actually been playing a lot better after that disaster on opening day. So the Falcons are actually top six in EPA per play over the last four games. And Matt Ryan, the first couple of weeks, they weren't really throwing down field. The first three weeks, Matt Ryan's a dot was just 4.2, just 4.2 yards is average pass travel in the first three games. The last two games, 8.9. Now he gets Calvin Ridley back. He gets Russell Gage back, which is a major difference because you're talking about Olamide Zacchaeus was their number one receiver. Tajay Sharp was their number two for, for a good portion of the season. Um, now they can have, you know, Ridley, Gage, Pitt, Patterson, Davis, uh, Hurst, you know, five of those six guys all on the field at the same time against this Dolphins defense that I really don't think is that good, even when Howard and, and Jones are in there. You have Ryan coming off a bye. He's learning the offense. The Falcons are number eight in red zone offense and number five in third down conversion rate. Now you do see those numbers. There's a lot of noise in those numbers, but the red zone in particular is worth noting because the Falcons have always struggled in the red zone. They don't have Julio. They haven't had a full complement of weapons most of the year. And they're eighth. Now, why is that? Arthur Smith. You know, he's been top 10 with the Titans in each of these past two years. But Ryan Tannehill turned his career around. Ryan's learning the offense. And I think they really needed this early buy for Ryan to really pick up the offense because he's he's not an off-schedule guy. He's a, you know, he's a guy that needs to understand what he's doing out there. He's not going to make many off-script plays. He's kind of robotic in that sense. But uh, coming off a buy in his career on the road, 
He's five and two against the spread, covering by an average of 12.9 points per game. I think that speaks to just how Ryan kind of, um, he tends to get better as the year progresses in terms of learning these offenses. Remember, he's had a bunch of different coordinators over these last few. Um, and then I just, I, you know, I didn't think this game was more, much more than a coin flip at first. But the more I dove into some metrics, and Atlanta's going to get knocked for that Philly game in week one, but I'm, I'm mostly throwing that out. They just weren't ready. But overall, on the season, even including that game, Atlanta's been outgained by an average of seven yards per game, which, you know, a yard is worth about 0.066, you know, points or so. Miami has been outgained by 127.8 yards per game. They've been outgained 418 to 290 on average, including the game was, you know, they, they outgained the Jaguars in London. Should have won that game. But Miami's been outgained by 127.8. If you take that 120-yard difference alone, that would be about an eight-point spread. Now, I know Atlanta, you can adjust for the schedule, whatever you want to do, move it down. But there's no way I think this game should be inside of field goal with that yardage discrepancy uh, on average. And then with Atlanta getting better, with Miami trending down, Atlanta's been getting better in all their metrics. Miami's been doing the opposite. I'm hearing word that nobody wants to play for this team anymore. Um, you know, Xavier Howard might get traded. Uh, this is just not a good spot. So I love the Falcons. I just, I, this is, you know, it's a game that I don't think, I think the Sharps are going to be kind of on the opposite side of me. You're probably, you probably disagree as well, Stuck. Uh, but I just think these two teams are headed in opposite directions. Uh, and I think that my uh, Atlanta has the better quarterback, the better offense. Uh, they both have pretty bad defenses. And uh, I just, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta rolls here. Yeah, I disagree. I mean, I make this a coin flip. I, I can't justify that the Falcons are – I hate the Dolphins. I think they're <laughs> – I hated them coming into the year. I have the season win totals are my favorite win, wins. I bet against them all the time. Um, and I had the Jags last week. But this – I don't really – I think that's just this narrative of coming from London without a buy is overblown. Um, I make this a coin flip. So uh, I I just tease the Dolphins. Um, the Falcons have been miserable. The Falcons have two wins over the, the Jets – in London and the Giants when their entire team got hurt at the end of the game. So, I mean, like, I, I, I just, this Falcons team, yeah, they got a little better, but that's because they were just so bad. And a lot of their stats are skewed by that, that Jets game where they put up like 500 yards with all the backups. So what the, what the hell is going on there? Um, so uh, I think the Dolphins will be a little healthier. It's to his second game. Uh, I hate the Dolphins, but I can't get to this number. Um, so, I will wish you luck, my friend. <laughs> it's fair. I, uh, you know, I just think the Dolphins are on that level. Giants, Jets, bad. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's recap here. Stucky is going with the Philadelphia Eagles plus three at the Raiders, the Washington football team plus nine and a half at Green Bay, and the Chiefs minus five and a half in Tennessee. I'm going with the Panthers minus three. At the Giants, the Niners minus four hosting the Colts and the Falcons minus two and a half at the Miami Dolphins. That is going to do it for our week seven Sunday six pack presented by Athletic Brewing Company, whose innovative process allows them to brew great tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to golden ales and more, they offer a full selection of craft brews starting at only 50 calories. With two custom breweries in Connecticut and California, 
They've created a lineup of styles loaded with accolades, including the 2020 World Beer Award gold medal for their flagship IPA, Run Wild. With full flavor, low calories, and no chance of a hangover, Athletics Brews lets you enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime and anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping when you order two or more six packs and enjoy 10% off your order with promo code ACTION10. That's ACTION10. All right, cheers. All right, Stuck, let's get into our coaches' pep talk this week. Uh, we have another Al Pacino clip, this time from the 1992 film Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. And I say we dedicate this one to Brian Flores because, again, you used to Urban Meyer. Yeah. Uh, yep. We got, yeah, we're dedicating this one to you, Brian. What you're hired for is to help us. Does that seem clear to you? To help us, not to fuck us up. All right, Stuck, let's get into our favorite total for week number seven. You went first for the six-pack, so I'll start it off with the total. So for my favorite total of week number seven, I'm going with the New York Jets at the New England Patriots under 42 and a half. Uh, I make this number 41. So see a little bit of value here. And this is just two low scoring teams, two teams that are not particularly fast. Their situation neutral paces, both below average. Uh, this was 25 to six game. The last time these teams played the second of two divisional matchups tend to be a little tighter. Uh, the jets did have some time to prepare against the Patriots. I still don't think that helps their offense too much going against the Belichick defense with a rookie uh, on the road. But I do think it might help their defense. Robert Sala is a defensive guy. You know, the Patriots, you know, they, they pulled out some stops to try to you know, outscore Dallas. I love that double move by Kendrick Bourne late in that game. But here, I think the Patriots are going to play it a little more close to the vest, you know, let the Jets uh, make, hopefully make mistakes and, uh, and just take care of business at home. I don't think they'll try to put up a massive number. You know, it could be a little bit of a letdown spot. Remember, they played the... The Bucks close, and then they come home, and Houston almost beats them. Now, Houston put up just a couple of crazy plays that usually don't happen, like long completions and whatnot. So didn't get that under the cash, but same type of situation. Just uh, two, I think, below average offenses, two defenses that are well coached. Uh, I think this is a tight, close, ugly divisional matchup. So give me under 42 and a half, Jets, Pats. Yep, still a rookie quarterback going against Bill Belichick. So probably – doesn't end well for this Jets offense, which is just dreadful. Um, and the Patriots offense, I assume they get back to the run here. They're not in the business of blowing teams out. Bill Belichick's actually gotten really conservative in some yep. of his calls, like fourth down calls. And he's not the same old aggressive Bill, which I think, which I think also helps this under. So I don't disagree with you there. For my favorite total, I'm going – with the game we already talked about, that's the Carolina Panthers, New York Giants under 43 and a half at BetMGM. You know, we talked about this game earlier. The Giants offensive line, especially without Andrew Thomas, has been great. He's been one of the best, the brightest spots of this Giants team and his development of left tackle. Without him, it's a big, I mean, just the, the continuity of this offensive line. There is none. It's just this makeshift unit. You have Barkley who's banged up, Galladay, Tony King. I mean, you, you might have Slayton and Shepard, but it is just uh, an offense that, I don't see moving the ball all that much against Carolina's defense, who should get pressure all day long against this Giants offensive line. The other side of the ball, it's uh, Sam Darnold. 
no Christian McCaffrey. And you mentioned it too. Matt Rule, I think he's going to rely more on the run here, try to grind out this win on the road, get back on the winning side of things after they started 3-0, and now they're 3-3. and uh, So I think he's going to want to grind this out. I think the Giants' defense can hold its own here. Against, look, it's still Sam Darnold, still a bad offensive line, and there's still no Christian McCaffrey. Give me the under 43 and a half in New York. There's also no Robbie Anderson, <laughs> which is yeah. bad because Robbie Anderson's playing, but there's no Robbie Anderson. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's been a struggle. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if this one goes under. And I like that you're getting the hook there at 43 and a half. Um, I, would, I would take that one um, before it's too late. Because remember, Carolina, I do like them in this game. I just think that it's a bigger mismatch than people think. But uh, as far as scoring goes, you know, we kind of lost that under last week with Minnesota because things got out of hand when Carolina blocks that punt. Uh, then they turn the ball over and they give Minnesota some short fields. So, uh, you know, if a run heavier game script, no block punt, you're probably looking at a, a pretty low scoring game uh, all around. All right. So to recap, I'm going Jets, Pats under 42 and a half, stuck going Panthers, Giants under 43 and a half. I feel like this is not the first time we've just faded the Giants and Jets with totals. And <laughs> like it yeah. just seems like a, a profitable thing to do uh, in 2021. I agree. All right. Let's get into our favorite teaser of the week. Oh, yeah. Six point teasers. If you don't want me to, don't tease me. Don't tease me. Try to please me. Yeah. All right. So, for those not familiar, teasers are when you get a specific allotted number of points to add to the spread. When you combine two or more bets, usually the standard is a six-point teaser. So, for example, an eight-point favorite becomes a two-point favorite. An eight-point underdog becomes a 14-point dog. Stuck has some great content out. Uh, you can just Google Stucky teasers uh, about which key numbers to tease through um, and, and all that good stuff. We talk about it every week. Stuck, uh, where are you going for week seven? Last week, we hit by teasing the Chiefs down. There were seven-point favorites. By the way, I mentioned earlier, I like the, the Broncos. You tease them up over eight. I actually paired them with the Giants plus eight and a half. I just think that game is going to be so ugly. And like I said before, the total is low. But my favorite teaser on Sunday, similar to last week, let's tease the Patriots down from seven to one. I just don't see any way where the Jets are going into Foxborough and sending the Patriots to what? Oh, and four at home. Yeah, they'd be oh, and four at home. But against a rookie quarterback, off of a loss, I don't care that they're off of a bye. Mac Jones, I like some of the things I've seen from him recently. I think that he is really starting to develop in this offense. So uh, Patriots should be too much. And at least pull off this win. And you're going to disagree with me again here, but I'm going to tease the <laughs> Dolphins up. Uh, yep. It's a total under 48. Tease from two and a half to eight and a half. And, and a game that I make a pick. So Dolphins and the Pats, little AFC East teaser special. I mean, I don't hate teasing the Dolphins. I mean, you're still getting eight and a half. Um, I just I just think this Dolphins team is going in the wrong direction, and I think the Falcons team is going in the opposite, and people just haven't realized it yet. Like, the market hasn't caught up. But, like, eight and a half, I mean, no, no one's, you know, giving the Falcons eight and a half. So, I don't, I don't yeah. mind it as much. For mine, I'm going with New England, as you are, seven to one in this spot. Again, this Jets team, I think they'll be a little more frisky coming off the bye, but – Still a team that I think Belichick can outcoach with a rookie quarterback coming into Foxborough. Really as simple as that. Uh, don't love the seven, but love it at one. 
And then uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, but I'm going to go ahead and go Baltimore six and a half to a half a point. Uh, I just think they're playing really well. Their defense is getting better. Uh, you know, they have multiple ways to beat you now with, they got their rookie receiver Bateman back. Cincinnati has been better than expected uh, this year too, but I just think Baltimore at home, what is it? Their third straight home game now, third straight home game for yeah. Baltimore. Uh, I just think they're going to be ready to go uh, in this one. I think they got some much needed confidence, you know, in that chargers win after every game is just like a nail biter for Baltimore. They didn't really have any of those like signature, just blow a quality team out. You know, they let the Raiders come back on them. They, they do beat the Chiefs, but that could have gone either way. They barely beat the Lions. You know, it, it, they barely beat the Colts. They have to kind of come back from way down. So I just like the spot for the Ravens here. I think Cincinnati might be flying a little too high after the, the, the good start. I think they get humbled here uh, with Baltimore. So teasing them down from six and a half to a half point. Yeah, I think Baltimore's numbers are a little deflated on the year. Because, I mean, they had so many injuries before the season started. Uh, the offensive line, running back. I mean, how many ACLs have they tear? Secondary. You're finally seeing that secondary come together. It's healthy now. The offensive line is starting to figure out some things. The running backs. I mean, there's a lot going on in that offense, right? So it's it's finally starting to click. I don't like Langs. I think there is some value in Baltimore here. I don't, I don't like laying six and a half or seven in a divisional game. I, I, there's two slow-paced teams. I don't hate the under here, but... Yeah, I think the Ravens should win this game. I do have to give – and if you look at the, these two offenses, early down success rate, Ravens have been great. I think number one in the NFL. Bengals have not. Ravens have been dead last in the NFL on third down. So there's a positive regression coming there. The Bengals just don't – they just run too much. And I, I, this is a huge coaching mismatch too. Look, the Cincy, I got to give the Cincy defense credit. They went out and they invested in this defense. They're number two on the defensive line in line yards. Their linebackers are much improved. It's been a huge weakness over the years. Logan Wilson, Davis Gaither, and Pratt, they've all been great. And they have obviously have great safeties. So that's important against, you know, Mark Andrews trying to limit Lamar. But his speed, I think, is still going to be a little bit too much. And, yeah, I don't hate that teaser piece at all. Yeah, I, I do want to give credit. That's a good thing you give credit to those Cincinnati linebackers because I believe I called them out earlier in the year. You know, a bunch of no-name guys. There's a history of just bad linebacking cores at Cincinnati, but uh, I think that's really what's kind of turned around the, the defense. So, yeah, I want to give those guys credit as well. So, to recap, Stucky is going with the Patriots minus seven to minus one, and the Dolphins plus two and a half to plus eight and a half. I'm going with the Patriots minus seven to minus one, and the Ravens minus six and a half to minus a half points. Now, let's get into our Moneyline Underdog Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. You hit yours last week. I did not hit mine. Uh, not even close with the Detroit Lions. But on the year, we've hit three out of six. And we've also each hit one in a week where the other doesn't hit one. So we're batting over 500 overall on the year in Moneyline Dogs. So uh, where are you going for week seven? I don't really like any this week except I've got to go Miami again. Oh, my <laughs> God. I make, I make it a pick. I make it a pick, <laughs> and they're catching two at home. I don't believe in this Atlanta team. I think it's a good five low spot after the Jags lost. So throw the fins in there, the team I hate the most. I'm this, saying them too much today. Second week in a row where I just do not like our money line pick. But, I mean, hey, you did hit it last week. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 I don't trust this Miami team. Uh, I'm, I'm going with Philly. Uh, you picked them in the six-pack. I probably would have taken them. 
for one of my picks. Uh, so, you know, it makes it an easy call for me at plus 135. Uh, I, you know, we talked about the game already. I just think Philly, uh, because of the way they play coverage, I don't think this game will get away from them. And uh, the Raiders are pretty vanilla on defense. They're, that Gus Bradley defense, they do have those edge rushers, Crosby and Gakwe, but you got to know what they're going to do, right? They're going to line up. They're going to play mostly cover three. They'll mix some cover one in there. It's going to be a lot of single high. And uh, that, I think that speeds up Jalen Hurts' decision-making. And so that's what I think he struggles with at times. You know, he misses some things down the field, but it shouldn't be a hard one to prepare for, especially with some extra rest. So like Philly here at plus 135. So that's a 4.05 to one payout, just over four to one payout here. If you parlay Miami plus 115 and Philly plus 135, let's try to keep – Keep fighting off this regression to the mean here. We're still over 500 on Moneyline Dogs, which is absurd. Yeah, I would have went to Philly, by the way, if you didn't choose them first. So Nice. Yeah. I mean, there, it, it is an ugly slate, you know. The fact no. that, like, you had to back Miami, like, three times, and I'm taking three favorites. It kind of shows what kind of week it is. I'm Chiefs on the road. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. Let's get into the best of the rest which are the games that we did not discuss in any other segment. All the double-digit favorite games. Yeah, and this is why our cards look kind of disgusting this week. It's because, first up, we have the Lions at the Rams, minus 15 and a half at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. The total was 50 and a half. And, Stuck, I do want to get your thoughts on this because you're one of the few people I talk to that I think has a really good read, maybe the best read on, like, situational spots and letdown spots and uh, I know you've kind of pointed out the Rams letdown spots a couple of times so I'm kind of looking for that here I mean Sean McVay off a multi-game winning streak just 7 and 18 against the spread 28 percent in his career and then for some reason you know West Coast teams I know you you kind of pay attention to the travel uh, not many people do but when West Coast teams go on a multi-game road trip and then come back home they're just 57 and 87 
against the spread 40 percent since 2003 so is any of that kind of applicable here do you think this could potentially be a letdown spot we're just too many points for, the, for this Rams team or is it just a Matthew Stafford revenge game and, and they're gonna go nuts well it's the Goff revenge game Goff <laughs> yeah but that's that the McVay was... revenge game of Goff like yeah. <laughs> uh he was Goff was the one that got them the Super Bowl not McVay that's what Goff is out to prove this week but uh no I mean I don't really think it's that big of a letdown spot I mean they have the Texans on deck so it's like I mean maybe they're just a little sleepy here but I think that that Goff angle gives this game a little more juice I do think that it's a a tad high the line but i mean do i really want any part of this line seem no i mean look this ramps offense has been excellent number one in the nfl and epa per play if you remove garbage time 0.227 epa per play they're 27th in rush epa number one in drop back epa 0.437 the next best 0.31 so i mean they've just been excellent Third of all who's stopping this passing offense on the line secondary there's nobody left the Lions offensive line is still beat up. Maybe they get Taylor Decker back. Doubt it. But uh, there's just nothing. There's no receivers. You're probably going to see the Lions run it a lot again. Try and, I mean, last week, that's why I was on the under. Maybe you look at Lions second half here. And here's why. I mean, I had the under last week. The Lions haven't scored a first half touchdown, I think, in four weeks. What, what we have seen is they'll fight till the end. And Dan Campbell doesn't give up, even though he should. Last week, he's down 27 nothing with eight to go. He kicks a field goal, a 30-yard field goal. Yeah, it's not going to shut out. Over. It's not going to shut out, guys. Onside kick next. Now 27-3. Why not go for the touchdown? Onside kick. Then Bengals score a touchdown, 34-3. to Lions get it, score a touchdown, go for two. It's 34-11 now. Lions then onside kick it again with two and a half minutes to go. Now 34-11. Cincinnati recovers it. I'm like, all right, it's 34-11. How did we get here? I have under 48. Like, let's just since he has the ball midfield with two Ted left, since he hands it off, goes to the two minute warning. Since he comes out of the two minute warning on second down, takes a knee, he run out the clock. Campbell calls a timeout. No joke, called a timeout after they took a knee. So since he stacked, I was like, what the hell is going on? So now I'm like, oh my God, since he's going to have to run a play, they're going to be mad and then try to score. This game's going to go over. So then they run it, they pick up like eight yards. So it's fourth and one at like the 40. I'm like, oh my God. So they got to run. Campbell calls another timeout. Um, it's 34 11. There's like a minute 10 to go. So since he then decides to go for it on fourth down, luckily, I didn't need the Lions chucking the ball down the field like they did against <laughs> San Fran. Since, since he picks up the first down on fourth down, then they finally can take knees because Campbell's out of timeouts. I mean, when he was talking about bite kneecaps, this is must, I was going crazy. I tweeted out a joke. I, I'm surprised that Campbell's not taking timeouts here. Like after the first half, then two minute warning. Yep, he started taking timeouts. Bro. So they're not going to give up. So this team's Detroit. We're going to kick you in the teeth. And when you punch us, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right. We're going to take your other kneecap. Before long, where they're going to be the last one standing. And uh, they've been awful in the first half. So maybe you look at line second half here if the Rams are just blowing this open. Uh, it's a little high, but I mean, do I really want to back the lines here? Not really. Yeah, I've had enough of the, the, the Lions. Like, it, I mean, I, I actually They're took three, the three against the spread at least. They cover, yeah. cover every other week, so maybe this is their week. I took them. I took this under on convince me. I think I mentioned to you I would have probably taken this under for the pod, if, but you took it first. Uh, so I was sweating right there with you. But that was bad enough after the week before when I had the Vikings. Like mine. I, I mean, I think I had to take them. No, yeah, I think I had them like minus eight and a half. And then for the show, I had them like minus nine and a half. They were up ten. 
and the yep. Vikings get a sack deep in Lions territory, and the Lions just don't go away, and then they force a they punch the ball out of Madison's hand, and it's they're just like, enough with this. So you might yeah. want to look at the yeah. second half. They're down like twenty four because they're oh, yeah, trying they, to score to the very end, like the back doors for the second half. They're not going to stop. I actually let me look at what their second half against the spread numbers look like real quick because I've it's got to be something like silly. Let's see. So the, yeah, the Lions are they're four and two against the second half spread. Oh, they're only covering by an average of 2.9. I thought I would have thought it was more than that. Yeah, uh, but if you take away that Packers game when they were leading, like you, you don't want to take them when they're ahead in the second half. Yeah, we spent too much time on that game. Uh, let's go to the Texans at the Cardinals. The Cardinals are 17-point favorites. The spread is 47 and a half at BetMGM. This is a game I really have nothing to say. I don't want to take any team that's favored by 17 and a half. I don't want to take the Texans against the Cardinals. And I don't want to take the under because even though the Texans scored three points last week, the Cardinals may very well put up a 50 burger. So, I mean, what, what are we talking about here? I mean, it is a bad spot for the Cardinals. I go to Cleveland. By the way, they were very fortunate in that game. Like Cleveland had to run the ball and then they were up all of a sudden the Cardinals were up 14 nothing off turnovers. You couldn't even touch Kyler Murray without getting a roughing the passer. Um, they recovered five fumbles in that game. Browns go one for five on fourth down. What is it, last two weeks? Teams are two of ten on fourth down against the Cardinals. So they're getting very fortunate here, and then the whole Browns team gets hurt. But, like, can I back the Texans here? I would have if Tyron Taylor was starting. But um, I think it's a little inflated. If, I, if you put a gun in my head and made me bet this game, I would take the Texans. But uh, you're basically just praying for a backdoor. The Cardinals are the Packers on deck, so I'm sure that they – you know, it's like the second half, they're not going to try to run this up. I don't think they're going to worry about their health. They're going to worry about, all right, let's rest because we have a short week before the Packers in a game that could determine who gets the one seed in the NFC. So maybe Texans second half is worth a look like the Lions. But the Cards are 32nd in explosive run defense. Well, the Texans can't run it. Their offensive line's all banged up. So you're basically asking Davis Mills to throw it in, on the road. And I, I just, I don't see that. And the Texans defense, like, what did I say before the year? Lovey Smith is a D coordinator. All they're going to do is run cover two, basic cover two. Yep, that's all they well, do. They're cover two. two. Like, yeah. that's it. And their, their pre-snap look versus the actual defense that they run, it's the same 92% of the time. That's the highest the NFL. It's the most basic. So they don't have the corners to stop this Arizona attack. So uh, you'll probably need a backdoor or Arizona takes their foot off the gas in the second half. You might need a turnover or two. I might look Texas second half if they're getting drilled because I don't think the Cardinals want to do anything in the second half here. They don't want to show anything. They want to rest at the Packers on deck. So, uh, but again, this is just uh, ugly. One of the ugliest games of the year. Yeah. I think I just want to not touch this game. Cause I feel like I would like look Texas second half. If I was like chasing, if I was like, you know, like, Oh, and one and three on the day and like, Oh, maybe I can get a cover here and it probably just won't go well. So I think I'm just going to not touch this game bears at Tampa. Bucks favored by 12 and a half. The total is 47. I like what the Bears are doing with Justin Fields, but I mean, Tom Brady has just looked ridiculous. Uh, you know, they, um, they don't get that cover last week. Philly, Philly's aggressive, goes for two. So, I mean, Tom Brady off uh, uh, and against the spread loss has always been great in his career. That's about the only thing I can say about this game. He's 62, 35, and two since 2003, 64% two and one this year but uh don't i don't really see much either way i know some sharps are on the under any thoughts yeah this is a bad matchup for the bears um 
I mean, can they get pressure on Brady? That's what they're good at. They're number one in adjusted sack rate. The Bucks' offense line's really good. Brady can get rid of the ball so quick. That's they're gonna have to get enormous amount of pressure to stay in this game because the Bucks have so many different weapons. The Bears only have one good corner, so I don't see how they can stop them. The other side of the ball, the Bears want to like run the ball more now. <laughs> you can't you can't do that against Tampa. Nope. You have to attack them with short passes, spread them out, get rid of the ball quick, read the defense well, deal with the blitz. That's not good for a rookie quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a uh, the Bucks get a couple extra days of rest and prep here. By the way, Brady didn't cover at night because it's it, last game because it was at night. What was he, 0-11 Bedtime. against the spread? Sleepy, sleepy. <laughs> it's time for the Super Bowl, yeah. Tom. So, yeah, Bowl. I think I think the line is like, I make it like 12 and a half, and it's, uh, it's like, even if I got to like 13, 13 and a half, I, I just can't make a case for the Bears. I think it's just such a bad matchup for them here on both sides of the ball. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks blow it open. I don't mind the under here. I don't, I don't know how the Bears are going to consistently move the ball. Yeah, that's the big issue is that you can't run on Tampa. That's all the Bears have been doing. They've been decent with it, even with the, you know, down to the third string back. I do think, statistically speaking, this could be Justin Fields' best game in terms of, like, passing yards and rushing yards because you're going to have to use Fields Better be. as an extension of the run game. And then Tampa Bay, you know, they're going to put up probably more points than anyone's put up on Chicago in a field start. I mean, Cleveland got to what, 26, and then the Packers get to 24, was it? Yeah. So it, you know, the Bears could give up points in this game like they haven't, and they are good in sacks and they don't blitz much, but they're still, they're still 27th in pressure rate. Now they're blitzing at the fourth lowest rate. So, you know, it still have a, you know, they still can get pressure without blitzing better than a lot of teams, but bottom six pressure rate, not really going to work with Tom Brady. You know, you're not pressuring him consistently enough. Even dropping back into coverage, Tampa Bay has three, four guys that can beat you. Uh, they might use the rookie Jalen Darden a little more at that fourth receiver spot. Uh, they cut Jaden Mickens, their, you know, returner. So Darden, you know, he's more of a guy that you want to get in the game on offense. He can, I think he'll get some returns too. But um, yeah, this is this probably uh, a Tampa Bay blowout, but not, not trying to weigh the 12 and a half, 13 either. So stay away from me. All right. That is going to wrap it up for Best of the Rest. Let's get into our final segment, our Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. The Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. All right, so, Stuck, we had... We've been living on the edge. Oh, my goodness. I mean, we had Cincinnati in week four. Yeah, they they won at the last second against Jacksonville. Yeah, they barely beat Jacksonville on Thursday night. Then we had Minnesota, who almost blew. They, yeah, they blow that game against Detroit and then somehow still win. And Take then the field goal at the last second. Yeah, three straight then, weeks is a field goal's time expired. And then Pittsburgh blows a big first half lead. They can't stop the run in the second half, and they they're lucky it was Geno Smith the quarterback, or they lose that game. Uh, yeah, they Gino never. Smith, they'll never. They were never going to drive it down the field. Luckily, Watt stripped them that was the only way they were scored it ended a tie and then we would have been out of the survivor of a tie <laughs> yeah so we have we're still each six and oh uh you've used san francisco cleveland denver cincy minnesota pittsburgh i've used san francisco green bay carolina cincy minnesota pittsburgh where are you going for this week yeah i mean look no one's getting eliminated these things you just kind of hope look there's been some remember the vikings beat the bills or something with like a back who was that back? that was like in week two one year it's still the nfl so I'm just hoping that like the like Goff gets his revenge or you know Davis Mills maybe Davis Mills goes pockets. I mean I can't see any of them, but I, I'd rather just save some of those teams. 
I, I would use the Patriots against the Jets at home. I could use the Patriots like week 16 is the only other time I'd probably use them at home against the Jags. But if I get that far, I'll figure it out then. Yeah, so I'm going to save some of these bigger favorites uh, for down the line and uh, try to increase my equity. That's what you really want to do with these things. Like you try to increase your equity of the rest of the pool. I don't care if I go out early, but like if I could survive with these teams like we have the past few weeks, like the Bengals and the Steelers and the Vikings, and then at the end of the year, you have all of the top 10 teams, that's where you're going to get uh, a huge edge when no one has any of the top teams left. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, for the fourth week, we're going same team, going to England as well. Uh, you know, thought about the the big favorites, but I like a couple of Arizona's matchups down the, the road. I like a couple of the Rams matchups down the road. And then, you know, Baltimore, I think Cincinnati is still a more formidable opponent, you know, in a divisional matchup than, you know, the Jets going against the Patriots or the rookie quarterback on the road in Foxborough. So that's really what this is. It's just, you know, hoping that Belichick, gives the Patriots his normal edge uh, against the Jets. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the Week 7 Action Network podcast. You can find Stucky on Twitter, at Stucky2. You can find me on Twitter, at Chris Raybon. You can find us both at those same handles in the award-winning Action Network app, where you can follow our bets and track all of yours. And you can follow all our picks as well. Just search for Sunday six pack in the action network apps follow feature be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for all of our nfl betting content stuck will break down the uh, monday night game this week he'll have a whole write-up on that i'll do the sunday night game uh, that we talked about uh, already so uh, be sure to check those out and uh until next week get this money let's go